Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. So we are still in our series on our purpose statement or our purpose as a church, and we really want our purpose statement to be written in our hearts. And so before we dive into the study of God's Word today, let's recite together our purpose statement. One, two, go. Being cruciformed disciples by growing their knowledge of the gospel through responsible evangelism, expository preaching, Christ-centered worship, intentional gospel-centered, life-to-life discipleship, and engagement in mission for the glory of God. So I hope we will be able to memorize that as we continue to have our series on our purpose statement. We started by looking at our purpose itself, which is to glorify God. And then the last time we were in our purpose statement, we defined our being, who we are as a church. And we said we are cruciformed disciples. We are very clear that it is not simply being disciple. We believe that in Scripture, even Jesus Christ himself understand that, that when he said disciple, it is not what the culture understood or how the culture understood it to be, uh, to just be learning from a teacher. But we understand that Jesus wants us to lay down our lives take up our cross, and follow him. So that's who we are. We are cruciformed disciples. Today, we will be looking at our mission, our mission as a church. So as we start, open your Bibles with me, and please stand from your seats as we read Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this blessed time to just gather together around your word. Father, we pray that just as Jesus, our commander-in-chief, our Lord and our master, has commanded us to make disciples of all nations, may we as a church, Lord, by the preaching of your word, take heed to this command of Jesus. Father, even as we preach your word today, may you convict our hearts for those of us, Lord God, who are not serious in this command of Jesus. We pray, Father, that all of us will embrace this in our lives and that we would embrace this as a church. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. How many times have we heard ourselves saying to one of us or, sorry, na napag-iwanan na po tayo. And uh, my children always laugh at me because I cannot, many times I could no longer understand their jokes. And it took, it will take me sometimes to understand what they mean by what they were laughing at and they we were in a vacation and they, they let me see some, some memes about parents' reaction when their children make jokes. I can relate to most of them. Like simple jokes that they do, I would treat it like a mathematical equation and I would think deeply. And they said, you just ruined the joke. We tease those who are outdated. We think they are outdated many times. In fact, it took me some time when I heard that one, when somebody said, mga marites. It took me some time to understand, what's, who's marites? 
And, and because the world is fast changing, the world that we're living is so fast, we, we end up trying to catch up about the latest trend, the latest expression, the latest fad. And because we want to be in. We don't want to be called as outdated. We want to be in. We want to be updated instead of outdated. I think there's no problem with that, so long as it's good. The question is, should the church also have this kind of mentality? Should the church also run after the latest trend? Truth is, many churches have lost, their, have lost sight of their mission or Jesus' mission because of this kind of mentality. I think it, it might be good to, to some point, but it's never good for a church to have this kind of mentality. It's never good for a church. So our mission as Cruciform Life Church is aligned, it is aligned to the eternal plan of God, to the eternal plan of God to have a people for himself. This is God's plan from the very beginning that he wants people to worship him through Jesus Christ. And that is why our mission is to make cruciform disciples. That's our mission as a church. We want to make cruciform disciples of all nations. Now the passage that we just read, we realize everything has come to full circle. We say everything has come to full circle. We we have a, an understanding of things. And then we went through different situations and, and difficulties. And then after we learned the lesson of our difficulties, we are back where we were when we started. But this time, a clear understanding of what we already know. You get me? Everything has come to full circle when we come here in Matthew chapter 28. The command to disciple all nations. The command to disciple all nations. If you look at the whole Bible, it goes beyond the book of Matthew. Ando na po ito kahit wala pa po yung book of Matthew. As I've said earlier, yung plano po ng Panginoon at the very start is to have a people for himself. Genesis chapter 23 See, we would already read that God told Abraham, In you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And we understand that when he said, In you, the particular offspring of Abraham is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord, through the Lord Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And the problem has been, how then can God have all the nations for himself? Now, after Jesus, in the book of Matthew, after Jesus displayed the perfect life and he gave the perfect sacrifice in the cross, and now he resurrected from the dead, that is the gospel, the salvation of every sinners. The salvation not only for Jews, but for all sinners. Now, the plan of God has come full circle, but this time it is clearer that the way by which God would accomplish his plan to have People from all nations will be through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said here, make disciples of all nations. And the end of it all, if you quickly just read with me Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 10. This is the plan right from the beginning. This is what... Why Jesus came so that the nations will come to God through him. Revelation 7, 9 to 10, it reads, After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, clothed with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
That is the plan right from the very beginning. That's the reason why Jesus Christ came. And that's the culmination of the plan. You see that? There is no plan. There is no plan B. That is the only plan of God. So in between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, what then is God doing? What then is the mission between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus? This is our text today. In this text, we see the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is the work of making disciples of all nations. This is the work that Jesus left the church to do. This is the work that Jesus left us to do as his disciples. No church then, no church then should make his own vision or mission. No church should make his own mission other than that which our commander-in-chief, our Lord and our Master, Jesus Christ, has given the church. Jesus has finished what he came to do. He said in Matthew 5.17, he came to fulfill the law. And he fulfilled it through his life, death, and resurrection. He has discipled his disciples for three years. He has discipled them faithfully. And now he called the disciples to make disciples. Go and share the gospel. Baptize those who will believe in the gospel. And teach the the believers deeper into the gospel. So in our passage today, we have four fundamental truths about the mission that would keep us from swerving, that would keep us from making our own mission. First, the central focus of mission, the commission to make disciples of all nations, the course of action, and then the promised presence or the constant presence of Jesus. Now today, I would only be touching on the first two, And then next week, we'll finish the third and the fourth. I was trying to make this into one sermon, but I realized I could not do it in one sermon. So let's just have part one and part two. The central focus. Many of us, when we talk about mission, of course, we think of people. Kawawa naman yung mga tao. We have to go there so that they will be saved. That's true. And that's politically right. But the central focus of mission is not even people. When we do the missions, our eyes should be set on Jesus. And this is what Matthew is doing here in verses 16 to 18. Open your Bibles right now. As we say, we are not looking after the latest trend. This still works. Our hard copies of our Bible still works and it still smells good to smell it. Matthew 28 verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, all of the details here in verses 16 to 18 point to not only to Jesus, but who Jesus Christ is. The authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice carefully, they were in Galilee. Jesus actually summoned them to go to Galilee. If you look at Matthew 28 verse 10, he told these women to tell my brothers that I will meet them in Galilee. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Of course, there were other meet-ups with Jesus prior to this one. One is when Jesus appeared before them after walking with the two disciples in Imu's road. The next Sunday, Jesus appeared to them because Thomas was not there in the first meeting. 
And then the next Sunday, Jesus appeared to them and have breakfast with them. Remember with Peter? So there were several meetups, and this is the last meetup that Jesus had with the disciples, because after this one, he would be, he will ascend into heaven. But Matthew was not interested with the other meetups. Matthew wants us to direct this Galilee thing. Well, what's so significant with Galilee? In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22, if you remember, Jesus first called his disciples. James, Andrew, James, James, Andrew, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, he first called them in the Sea of Galilee. And then later on in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand this Galilean ministry. Most of the ministry of Jesus was spent in Galilee. That was Jesus' headquarters. It was Jesus' headquarters. And prior to Matthew chapter 28, verse 9 earlier, the one that we've read, already Jesus said in Matthew 26 and verse 31, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the ship of the flock will be scattered. But I, after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So notice carefully that after Jesus would have this mission trip together with the disciples, they all returned, they will always return to Galilee. And it's as if Jesus would say then, I will go again and do something this time to pay for your sins on the cross. After that ministry that I would do and I would resurrect from the dead, meet me at the headquarters. Well, the commander-in-chief wanted to meet the soldiers again in the headquarters. Secondly, if you look at it, Jesus met them not at the Sea of Galilee, but at the mountain. That Jesus, according to verse 16, to the mountain to which Jesus directed them. Well, not the same mountain as that of the Sermon of the Mount. This is another mountain. Jesus in the book of Matthew will always give a teaching and revelation on a mountain. On a mountain. Because Jesus was presented as the Moses-like prophet who would be coming. The Moses-like prophet who would be coming, who will teach the people of God. Remember, Moses gave the, the law in Mount Sinai. Now, Jesus here is like a Moses, giving the final revelation, so to speak, as far as this redemptive work or the culmination of these prophecies or the fulfillment of these prophecies in this mountain. But notice carefully here, notice carefully, but that when Moses gave the law in the mountain, he was not worshipped. He was not worshipped. But when Jesus gave a command, like a covenant to this newfound church, according to verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him. It's as if a saying, Jesus was the prophet like Moses, the one who has been prophesied that somebody who is a prophet like Moses will be coming and then we, it is told us here that he is greater than Moses. He is greater than Moses. He is actually Moses' redeemer. And that he was not just coming to give the law according to John. He came to give both grace and truth. He came to bring the essence, the meaning of the law in his life, death, and resurrection. Now we are beginning to sense here that the focus here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20, Matthew is leading our attention. Matthew is bringing our eyes onto Jesus. Don't miss him. Your eyes will be focusing on the disciples. Your eyes will be focusing on the mission itself. But Matthew is arranging the story so that all of us, our eyes will be led upon Jesus. Our attention will be upon Jesus. So the focus of mission is not mission itself, but the Lord Jesus 
Christ, the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of the mission. Let's unpack this more because we will begin to realize why should our eyes be set on Jesus as we do the mission. Before we bring into that point, there's something here that doesn't feel right. Have you felt it? It doesn't feel right. You saw the risen Christ right before your eyes, but it says there, but some doubted. Some doubted. How, how do we make sense of this? And to be honest, this is hard to interpret. Hard to interpret. What does it mean when it says there, and they worshipped him, but some doubted? Who doubted is the first question. Did some of the 11 disciples doubt? And what, what does it mean to doubt? Were there other brothers if you go back to verse 9, Jesus says, tell my brothers. Does he simply mean the 11? Scholars are saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, where we read that there were more than 500 people who saw the risen Christ. At one time, they said, it must be the time when Jesus, was, Jesus ascended into heaven. So they're saying this is the time. And if... There were more than 500 people there, aside from the 11 disciples, which probably Matthew is not interested. He was just interested on the 11 disciples. Did some of the 500 people doubt it? Some also said, it is not really doubting as in unbelief. It is doubting as in disbelief. In other words, people are saying, is this for real? I mean, I really see him, but is this for real? Am I awake right now? Am I seeing a ghost? Is this for real? I saw him rest. I saw him crucified in the cross. I saw him laid on the tomb. I know that he died. Is this for real? Which they said, the essence of worship, because worship will always be like, I understand it, but there is some things we don't understand, and that's why we worship. And that's what it means to be in a sense of awe. I know you're waiting for my stand. I don't. What is clear though, is Matthew is using this to move all our attention to Jesus. If you look at the verb being used here, they saw Jesus in verse 17, which means they were quite a distance from Jesus because in verse 18, it says there, Jesus came to them. Jesus came to the disciples. And you can remember when, when Jesus walked on the water. Remember that time? Jesus walked on the water and the disciples were saying, it is a ghost. And Jesus would have to clear things up with them and say, no, 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 it is I. So it seemed like Jesus drew himself near to them. This is Matthew's way, subtle way of bringing all our attention to the commander-in-chief who called these people to Galilee, to the commander-in-chief, the one who's greater than Moses, for he was worshipped. And as what Jesus said here, it's what Jesus said in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The central focus of missions as we engage ourselves in missions is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why should we engage in discipleship? Why do we have to, to think about participating on missions in other places when we are even struggling here in Pateros? Why don't we just think of ourselves? Matthew 28 verse 18 says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Missions is standing on the unbreakable authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is standing on the unbreakable authority of Jesus. First, the authority that Jesus is speaking here 
Notice this carefully. This is not just the intrinsic authority. Pagsasabihin po natin intrinsic authority. Si Jesus, bago pa po siya pumunta dito, being God Himself, meron na po siyang authority. But what we are talking about here is the authority that He earned through His life, death, and resurrection. Which, if you look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, after Paul said that Jesus, who, though he was God, did not consider himself equality with God, but humbled himself and appeared in human form and obeyed the Father to the point of death. Yes, death on the cross. So after he did his work, and then we find in verse 9, Philippians chapter 2, therefore, sabi ni Paul, therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue that confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now the claim of Jesus, yung claim po ni Jesus, to have the authority in heaven and earth, it is true that it covers everything. It covers everything. But here, it is directly tied, nakakabit po siya, to the assurance, to the assurance of the complete fulfillment of God's plan of redemption. That's why in verses 9 to 11 sa Philippians chapter 2, ang sabi, therefore, Jesus is highly exalted and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Every knee will bow. This authority would lead to the fulfillment of, of God's plan of redemptions where nations will worship Jesus. Thus, that Jesus has the authority, na meron pong authority si Jesus in heaven and on earth, is the assurance that the Great Commission will be fulfilled. Dito po nakatayo ang mission. Bakit with all the disappointments, setbacks on missions, Parang ang bagal ng mission 2,000 years ago, binigay po yung mission. Pero hanggang ngayon, according to, according to statistics, there are more than 2,400 people groups in India alone that is still considered unreached. And globally, more than 6,400 people groups that are still considered unreached, they still haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, how then can I think 2,000 years have passed, we still have more than 6,400 people groups that have not heard the gospel. Why would we even think that this work will be done? Well, it is standing on the authority of Jesus, that he has authority in heaven and on earth. Just to talk more about this authority, why is this authority tied to redemption? Because Jesus cannot finish the redemption if he does not have the authority. In the book of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, it's a story of redemption. God will redeem his people from Egypt. But for God to redeem his people from Egypt, he needs to have all authority. The ten plagues is actually a display of authority. Where God is saying, I can redeem my people because I have all authority. And if you notice biblical numerology, 10. 10 meaning complete. It means in heaven and on earth, I have the authority. And if the sea obeys, and if the locust obeys, and if nature obeys, if the sun obeys, and even if death obeys me, then no one can stop me from redeeming my people. When it looks like that missions is impossible, listen, church. If those times we feel like, and I hope that we would really become missional church, that we think of our church as, as a church that has a mission to, to do. And if, if in those times we feel like discouraged because the mission seemed to stuck somewhere and we do not have the people and we do not have the money and we do not have the connection and we, we're not yet participating with this group that does missions when mission seems impossible. 
Look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Moses once said, No, I cannot do that. Who am I to bring your people out of Egypt? But God is saying, Moses, I have all the authority. And if everything obeys me, no one can stop me. Even the sea, even the sea, I will split it. That my people will walk out of Egypt. And you know what? That's not just. The sea is a picture where God makes a way for sinners to be saved. The sea is easier. The cross is harder. And because the cross has been done, we can be assured that we will see people from nations getting out from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I don't know with you. You might be thinking, well, that's a good story. No, that's not the kind of response we want. We do not say, that's a good story. I will wait, sit back and wait. No, that is a story that should call us. I will participate. Because there is no story greater than this story. In fact, when Jesus also said, all authority in heaven and on earth, it, it is also telling his disciples, you have no choice anyway. It also serves as the absolute authority that will not take a no answer from his disciples, from the church, from any of us. Do you understand what it means when Jesus said, I have authority over all in heavens and on earth? So making disciples is not as much as how fruitful we can be as it shows that we know who Christ is. If we know who Jesus is and that he is the Lord of everything, we obey. Jesus was impressed. There are only few times when Jesus was impressed. Jesus was impressed with the faith of the centurion. When the centurion displayed his understanding of authority and he said, Authority means your words will be obeyed. Your words will be obeyed. Now, it is the reason why fathers, for us fathers here, it is the reason why we are sometimes upset with our children. Because our children does not honor or do not honor our authority. That's what authority means. Authority means you have to honor it because that's an authority. My children, I believe, knows what is authority? But isn't it sad at times that our children understand authority? That is why they know when we say things, they, we have to obey. But many times we don't as Christians. As if we have options. As if it's our choice to obey or not. That's not what authority means. Authority means it does not take no for an answer. So the central focus of mission is Jesus. Right? It's Jesus. Sometimes we need to listen to ourselves when we say to our children, enough with all the reasons. Can you just obey? Any fathers who can relate? We bring up all our situations, our family problems, our pressures at work, the financial difficulties, our health, blah, blah, blah. But the question remains. The question will not change. Whatever our alibis and our reasons, the question remains. Will you obey? How about this? Enough with our alibis. Can we just obey? Can we just obey? If Jesus has all authority, if Jesus has all authority, we can do nothing but obey him. Here's what I realized, church. That our priorities, or we prioritize our situations. In our hearts, if we are to be honest, our priority is our future, our situation, our family. 
And if ever everything will be put in place in our thinking, then I will obey. Understand this. If that is our mentality, we will never obey because we will always say things that still has to be done. Instead, we should put our obedience to Jesus, our priority. It is our priority. In this way, when obedience to Jesus is our authority, we will see all things not as our hindrance to our obedience to Jesus, but part of our obedience to Jesus. If obedience to Jesus is our priority, then definitely we will be able to serve him in our part of the work of making disciples. Not all of us are goers. Not all of us are missionaries. Not all of us are evangelists. But listen carefully. Your work as you work in your workplace, and God is using you in your workplace, and even through our giving so that we can finance the work of the Lord, we are working as a team so that we can obey Jesus as a church. It makes, if Jesus if obedience to Jesus is our priority, everything we do is part of making disciples. Secondly, if Jesus has all authority, we can be assured of the fulfillment of the mission. We can be assured of the fulfillment of the missions. Now, we cannot remove, di po natin pwedeng i-remove sa picture that Jesus is Lord so that one day all his chosen ones from all nations, like the Israelites, God taking them out from Egypt, no one can stop God to take them out of there because he is the Lord of all authority. This assurance, or this assure us, tells us that we are but instruments of Jesus. We are nothing but instruments. He will be the one to, to complete this. We just have to make ourselves available as he continues to bring out of the nations those whom he has called. Secondly, so the first thing that we see, the focus of mission is Jesus, the central focus. It's calling all of us to just set our eyes upon Christ. The second, the commission or the mission is to make Disciples of all nations. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Notice carefully po, hiniwalay po natin yung, yung pinakamission from the process, if you may, or the course of action, just to emphasize that this is what we want to do. Because we can get lost of the how. How are we going to do this? And what are we going to do? But miss the, the question what? What are we trying to accomplish? What is it that we are trying to make? I'd like to draw two emphasis from this. Make disciples of all nations. First, it is disciples that we make. We are a church. Okay, we are a church. We are not an activity center so that it's activity that we make. We're not... Wala na palang ASAP. We, <laughs> it's not what we make. It's not what we make. We're not a chocolate factory so that we make chocolates. We are a church, and a church makes disciples. It is disciples that we make. So today, soon to be foundations of the church, apostles, the 11 disciples, before they will be caught up with so many things, and they will be surely be caught up with a lot of things in the ministry, in the church. There are a lot of people that has to be disciplined. Uh, there are a lot of things that has to be organized. Before they will be caught up with church life, Jesus sat down with them, so to speak, and was clear to them of what they are to do, what they are to make. And what they are to make is disciples. The timing could not be perfect, isn't it? 
If you think about it, if you make a business, you don't start with the process. You don't start with staffing. You don't start with the organizational charts. Where do you start if you want to make an organization or a business? You want to be clear of what your business is. You want to be clear of what you want to make. What's your product? So Jesus, like a CEO, again, like a commander-in-chief, wants his disciples to be clear in their understanding that disciples is what they make. Disciples is what we make as a church, not convert. So understand this, we make disciples, not convert. So what is a disciple? What is a disciple? This is a very important question. Because the word disciple, as we have already said, was quite common. It's like student today, very common. It's not something that Jesus came up with a word. And the disciples and the world says, what's that word is? That's the first time we hear of that. So that the disciples, when they hear disciple, they know exactly they don't have excess baggage. And it is clear to them what a disciple is. No, the word disciple is quite common. It was used in the streets. It was used when family was talking. Anyone who sits under a teacher is a disciple. But at this point of the life of the disciples, they already know that to be a disciple of Jesus is not simply to sit under the teaching of Jesus, but to follow Jesus even if it means dying to self and taking up of the cross. Matthew 20, 28 verse 20b is a picture of this when Jesus said, And teach them to obey, to observe everything I have commanded you. That's a disciple. Obeying everything that Jesus has commanded. Everything. William Hendrickson. This is a long quote, but he said this better than I, so why would I try to say this better than him? I would rather quote him. So please stay with me. The term make disciples places somewhat more stress on the fact that the mind, as well as the heart, and the will must be one for God. Mere mental understanding does not as yet make one a disciple. The truth learned must be practiced. It must be appropriated by heart, mind, and will, so that one remains or abides in the truth. Only then is one truly Christ's disciple. What he's saying is that only when everything that Jesus tells you, you obey, like laying down your life, can you call yourself a disciple. Unless one is willing to no longer live for what he wants and what the world wants, but live for Jesus once. As Jesus said, he cannot be my disciple. What we are making, understand this church, and this also goes to you. Not, don't just think, I will make this kind of disciples. No, this is calling our, for ourselves. What we are making are not people who merely profess that Jesus is Lord and Savior but people whose lives are lived in obedience to the command of Christ. Making this kind of disciples who both learn and obey, who is both learned and obedient, is what is crucial to finishing the missions. You know this kind of clear teaching in the Gospels? should call us to think of ourselves. Am I simply one who's sitting down and getting all the teaching, but never really get to think of obeying Jesus? You know what it means? You are like those who call themselves disciples on Jesus' time because they learn from a teacher, but not the disciple of Jesus because Jesus is clear. 
my disciples will not just receive my teachings, they will apply my teachings. Now, why is it important that we should always have a clear view of what we are making? We make disciples, and again, I would like to emphasize when we say make disciples, not convert, not those who would say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but people who would die to themselves and obey Jesus. That's what we want to make. Why is it important that we have that picture? Remember in Acts chapter 6, when the church suddenly exploded in numbers, thousands have been added to the church. Daily. And daily. Well, that's a good problem. But a challenging one. And so in Matthew chapter 6, they found themselves these this widows, Hellenistic widows, saying, oh, we're not giving food, given food. This is not fair. The Jewish people, the, the ones in Jerusalem, they were given enough food, but for us, we're not. But because the, disciples, the, the apostles were clear of the missions, remember what they did. We will, raise up, we will raise up some people, seven from us, who would do that. But for us, we will do our role. And that is study the word, preach the word, and prayer. Because that's the role of the apostles. And these deacons, they know their roles as well. But both the role of the deacons in both the role of the apostles are geared towards making disciples. Because if no one will wait on table, if no one will serve on table, and the, the apostles will do that, what will happen to the preaching of the gospel? That right there is the reason why Jesus is clear right at the onset, right at the beginning, of what he wanted his disciples to make. Sometimes we are caught up with who should do this and who should do that and all these things that we do as a church. And sometimes we lost the essence of it all. Why do I usher people into their seats? Why am I at the back and, and doing this technical stuff? Why am I setting this up place early? And sometimes it's, it's all about setting up. It's all about ushering. No, 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 no. We are all working to make disciples. That is the umbrella. That is the one thing. We just have our roles. We just have our part. But all of us are contributing in a sense to grow the disciples in the church so that one day we can mobilize ourselves and make more disciples. Are you getting me? This is what we do as a church. We make disciples. We don't make headaches. On, uh... <laughs> Listen, church. Again, we would lose the essence of what we do. That's why when we do and we, we're no longer thinking like, I do this because this contributes to the greater work or the bigger picture of the work. We lost the essence of what we do. Secondly, it is the nations that we are to disciple. First, it is disciples that we make. The second is it is the nations that we are to disciple. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. In the book of Matthew, this is what Jesus has been displaying, yet not clearly teaching. His grace will extend to the Gentiles. This is actually shocking to the disciples when Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Maybe Peter cannot talk, but probably going in her mind, what are you talking about? You, you, you're, you just said, disciple the Gentiles. In Matthew 10, verse 5, when Jesus sent them out to, to missions, it reads, these 12 sent out, instructing them, Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost ship of the house of Israel. That was the command. It was to go to Israel. 
In Matthew 15, verse 24, Jesus said to the Kinainite woman, so remember po yung Kinainite woman who came to Jesus and said, Jesus paki-heal naman ng demon-possessed daughter niya. And in, in Matthew 15, 24, Jesus said, uh, I was only sent to the house of, to the lost ship of the house of Israel. Jesus did not say it, yet at the end, remember in that story, at the end, he healed the daughter of the Kona'anite. He did not directly say it, but he was displaying it. Now, this is understandable because Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah of the Jews. Jesus has to make the Jews understand that their Messiah has come. But they have to understand that their Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior, will pave the way for the blessings of Abraham to come to the Gentiles. So after Jesus did the redemption, after he fulfilled the work, when he died on the cross and resurrected from the dead. Look at the change. Jesus now is clear. He did not just display it. He makes it clear. Disciple the Gentiles. Disciple the nations. The verb in the original, make disciples, is not make. It's disciple. But in our English translation, in our English language, disciple is a noun, not a verb. That's why translators are forced to put the word make, make disciples. But actually, the, the, the verb is the word disciple. If the verb is disciple, what then is the object? If it's make disciples, then we understand, okay, the verb is make. What do you make? Disciple. Well, it is implied because you are to display, disciple the nations. You have to decide, make disciples. But the way it is said is disciple is the verb. Who should you disciple? The nations. Disciple the nations. The command of Jesus is to disciple the nations. To disciple the Gentiles. This is hard for a typical Jew, isn't it? All 11 heard this, but when Peter ate with the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, it brought chaos to the church. Naging mga ano ang church, naging mga marites. Narinig niyo na ba? Si Peter ate with the Gentiles. They could not. Like the Jewish believers, if it was hard for them, it may be hard for us as well. But we should also understand that Jesus wanted the nations to be disciples. And the word nations here is ethne. It does not mean Philippines. It means Mangyans. It means the Bajaos. It means the Warais. It's people groups. It's people who are bound by their language and culture. If you look at nations there as Philippines, like America, then the work has been done. But it's not. In the Philippines alone, there are hundreds of nations. And that's why I said earlier that because it is language and tribe, there are 2,400 people groups in India alone that are have not heard the gospel yet. There are more than 6,400 people groups all throughout the world that has not heard the name of Jesus. And yet Jesus' command is to disciple the nations. We cannot then have the same mentality as the Jews. We have to think of the nations Listen, we have to think of the nations. For the gospel of Jesus Christ is not for one nation. It is for all nations. If Jesus did not just die with the Jews, then more so that he did not just die for the Filipinos. 
every church should understand the command rightly. The command, the commission, is to make disciples of all nations. To settle for anything less would amount to disobedience. Would amount to disobedience. Yes, things have to be done step by step. As there are things that we are not ready yet, but it will always be the direction that we want to take. We thank God for the life of Cherry and Ryan, that in our little way, through them, we are able to participate in the command to make disciples of all nations. We thank the Lord for the life of Pastor Peter, um, who has been used by God to reach out the Warais in northern Samar. But we hope that we can mobilize a lot of us. That's why church listened to us. We as your leaders, we provide you with ways that you would grow. We have our prayer meeting. We have our doctrinal class. We have our small groups. Because our commitment to you is not that you will just listen to us, but that your life will be transformed and you will live for Jesus. So that there would come a time that as we grow as a church, we will see more of us going to the nations. Or giving to missions. Disciples among the nations is what we seek to make. It is what we seek to make. We have to be clear that disciples are what we make and not converts. All of us should be disciples. All of us should be disciples. All of us cannot be content with being able to come to our service and that's it. Listen, it is not what a disciple is. And I'm not saying this out of the pain of my heart, although there is. I am saying this out of my love for you. Because all of us should resemble the kind of disciple Jesus had in mind. Because those are the people whom he said, you are my disciple. Secondly, we need to go to the extent of making disciples of all nations. We have this parochial or regional mentality. We love our own, which is in some sense good, until it will keep us from being concerned of those who are not ours. It is good to love my family. It is good to care for my family until I will be indifferent from those outside of my family. You see, a good thing can be a bad thing. Care for our own is a good thing. But if we care for our own to the point of the neglect of those outside of us, it's bad. So we need to obey the Lord Jesus Christ who said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The only question there is if you obey or not. No alibis, no reasons because that's what authority is all about. But here's the sovereign thing. Only true disciples obey. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ who came to finish the work of redemption in the cross of Calvary. The work has been done, but you want us to spread the gospel and make disciples. Lord, our prayer as a church, Father, is that you will stir up our hearts. You will awaken us from our slumber. And that you will open our eyes to your Lordship. That we may begin to understand that our priority should be to obey you. We honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.